can't believe how much the arts brings to community. It brings people together. It breaks down barriers. It allows people to see each other. It allows us to understand humanness. It makes us more human and humanitarian in our journey. And it lets us ask the questions that maybe we were afraid to ask. It allows us to, to see things differently and see perspective and do it together without being fearful. Since 2005, Christy Morin has been the heart of Arts on the Ave in Edmonton, Alberta. Arts on the Ave actively celebrates its unique neighborhood community north of the downtown core as a place whose personality is vividly expressed through the arts, possessing a dynamic momentum, an arts pulse, where the artist and community continually engage. At the core of the organization, or more accurately, the movement, lives a deep commitment to the community through the cultivation of positive urban renewal. It is through this culture-led urban renewal regeneration initiatives, as well as a vision of creative spaces and placemaking, that these art-infused communities have begun to flourish and provide a safe, nurturing environment for artists to thrive. From the earliest days of its dreaming and the establishment of a dedicated creator-centric community coffee house, The Carrot, to expanding to its current scale, hosting two much-loved festivals, Kaleido, a fall festival of the arts, and its winter companion, Deep Freeze, a Byzantine winter festival about to take to the streets later this month, Christy and her team have embraced the arts as the alchemical element, spinning gold through community development and acting as a transformative agent in advocating for the healthy lifestyle of the whole neighborhood and beyond. Thank you for agreeing to sit down. Um, I, I want to say it's probably never not a busy time for you. And in fact, it is a birthday for you today. So I wish you that. And and that's pulling together the image um, of a birthday hat, but also acknowledging that the last time we spoke, you referred to the image of Dr. Seuss's the 500 hats of Bartholomew Cubbins. And I, <laughs> it just feels like <laughs> knowing, knowing how many plates you spin, I'd love to know how that image resonates for you and in you. <laughs> Thinking that hat is probably purple and sparkles and yeah. probably has a large, I don't know, a large yellow flower. That's what I see, Greg. And you told me about that hat. So thank you. And yes, the many hats um, is oft, often what I, you know, will say, oh, well, which hat is that? And then sometimes they all sort of don't matter anyway, because you're just doing what you are supposed to do. And however that fits in in community um, is, uh, is lovely. And so, yeah, I'm very... Um, yeah, thank you. And being really honored to be on, on the show with you today. I feel it's only fair to anybody listening that I invite you to provide a bit of context for what we're talking about when we speak of the arts in the Ave and and specifically your role in it. In fact, birthing of it or being a part of that of that story almost 20 years ago. Arts on the Ave, I almost see as a radical movement of of social change through the arts in Edmonton and uh, never thought that I would be part of a movement or leading a movement, but it all began about 18, 19 years ago as we began to bump into each other as artists on 118th Avenue in different little shops. So there's Portuguese bake shops, there's a little African grocery stores, and many of us had a theater background and a lot of us actually went to Victoria School of the Arts. And so as we started bumping into each other, um, we were like, hey, you live here. You bought a house in the hood. And 118 Avenue, of course, was known back when I was growing up in the late 80s, early 90s as a place to not go to because of crime and stigma of negativity. And it wasn't safe back then. And so when artists uh, began to look for homes that they could actually afford and purchase, we just gravitated honestly, without even talking to each other, to this community. And I think that 
could never have been planned better. It was almost like there was a, a this wind of change of bringing people in that were a similar age to a community that was in need. And we didn't know what we had except for a toolkit of arts. And we started bumping into each other, meeting in each other's homes and said, how do we edify this community using the arts? And that's how it all began. Um, meeting in each other's houses, which again was a beautiful thing because we would go into these old 1949 homes or 1929 homes and go, wow, look what you did with your kitchen. That's so cool. Or what did you do with your attic and made that into a studio space or your garage is now a recording studio. Um, and so we began to sort of just enjoy each other's homes and spaces and um, just started dreaming dreaming of what if, what if, what what could we give back to this community that we now call home? And Darcy and I moving in, um, Darcy before me into our home, thinking that we were going to flip it and move to the south side and then didn't. And I'm so glad we didn't because it became so much more than just home. It became part of a calling, part of a, a movement, a part of change that was so necessary and needed in this community. In that, I'm hearing celebration of people, place, the creativity, and and an energy that fed on itself and and spread. Um, so before we go too deeply into that, let me just expand a little on what have been the uh, the cornerstones, I guess, uh, that that you have built uh, as a group, and I and I know that through the course of our conversation, Christy, you're going to deflect attention away from you, and I love that about you, and I'm going to pull it right back in. But that's that, that's that's <laughs> okay. my prerogative because I'm holding this mic. <laughs> Sorry, but 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 the, but the key the key projects of which uh, of which Arts and the Ave has has built uh, as its foundation. So we, when we started, uh, it was, what can we do and what can I do um, to bring this change? And so we knew festivals, right? We knew the arts as not just one type of discipline. It was, let's bring the arts together and let them play and let's do it in a festival context. And so we started, we called it Arts Alive, which was our first fall festival. And that landed, actually it was the Thanksgiving long weekend because we didn't want to butt up against any of the other of the other events and, and take away anything. Or um, So that was when we first did, did it. And it was the interplay between all of the arts audience and space. So it was three different ways to play in the arts. And so we took old buildings um, that were derelict and we brought in, uh, and again, like amazing people in the neighborhood. They're like, hey, I've got lights. I've got some, I've got some old stage sitting in my garage. I, can, I have some microphone systems, Christy, let's bring them in. Taking the old Georgia Cycle building, which was this beautiful saddlery sad, building way, way back in the day before Georgia's and huge, gorgeous ceiling vaulted, gorgeous, and made that into a theater space, into a play space, um, mm -hmm. taking the parking lot that was seen with drug deals and and that's what it juices me up is like changing the alchemy like changing the alchemy of going no there is good here there's play here there's life here and joy and you are not going to suck the life out of us because of bringing negative into this space and so how do we play that and the other thing that was is culture right so like the cultural groups so we had like our first year this it was so funny uh donovan working was part of our, like i said you need to be the mc donovan so he's like okay and all my old <laughs> okay. like all the old buddies right so, <laughs> so we get together and it's like we need a ribbon cutting but we don't want just a regular ribbon cutting so we got this massive huge ribbon that was like three feet by like 60 feet long and we had these wonderful Korean drummers that somebody knew that were like brought it up with the drumming and everything and it was it was so much play right and the clowns came in and the it was just a place to celebrate and the mixing again of the art so we had like visual artists painting uh, on the on you know in the parking lot as dance was happening on the stage and them being able to have that interplay and then audience being able to sketch afterwards and reflect what they what they felt and responded to, right? So just creating that that dialogue, making audience artist and artist um, 
audience? And what does that mean in the context of festivals? So that was sort of, that's the core of me and wanting of, of making it different and making it authentically ours. Um, and so, and then we have, so that's, and so we changed the name from Arts Alive to Kaleido Family Arts Festival. Kaleido, the coming together of colors and shapes only to be seen through the presence of light is what Kaleido means in the Greek. So that, and then we were crazy and we were like, okay, let's do something in the winter because it's drums and people that are blue how do we bring light and so there isn't anything on the festival calendar yet so right that was it. it so it was that not very much there and we had ice sculptors that were renowned nationally in our neighborhood who lived here um and we were like okay let's do a winter festival so we did deep freeze a byzantine winter festival with celebrates the julian calendar um, and that stirred up a whole bunch of other cultures and and space and time of year and season and rhythm and then Darcy said to me hon we cannot keep meeting in our home because the kids Allie and Zach were seven and eight or nine and ten or something like that and those that know us have a you know we have a 1200 square foot semi-bungalow 1949 nice little place but not to be an office not on non-stop so we started looking for a space on the avenue and this Greg I have to say was pretty cool when I was in high school, I dreamt of running a coffee house. And my girlfriend in university, um, we talked about it often. And I wanted a coffee house, not a cafe. Yeah. And I never thought, like when I graduated, I never thought I would ever do it. But as we started talking as a board and looking for space, I said, you know, I can handle us trying to figure out how to run a coffee, an arts coffee house, but not an office. I did not want an office on the avenue. Because we wanted a place for people to be, to create, to play, to connect. And um, and so that's why it was called the Carrot uh, Community Arts Coffee House. And the carrot is from a Paul Cezanne quote. The day is coming. One carrot freshly observed will set off a revolution. And so we decided to play with the revolution of change, arts, movement, and uh, seasonal seasonal change without removing what was what is here and important to community. And uh, I think that's also been a huge learning education piece for me is like what is what is the ethos of this community? What is who are we? Uh, what were we? And being able to respect those pieces. Um, and we are a gathering and landing place is sort of what I have come to know. And um, it's quite beautiful, quite beautiful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the piece for us and for me is um, how do I continue to be curious in the middle of administration? How do you find ways to move through and keep my curiosity, my chasing of beauty, my desire and love? in the arts and our Arts on the Ave board has also given us the freedom to create. I mean, our big bold statement is art, arts for everyone, arts in everyone. And that has been amazing for me as I've become now the executive director of Arts on the Ave over the years to, to carry that deep within, right? Of that's who we are. And again, with light shining on you, where does that live in you right now in this moment? Where is the arts or the art or artist in you? Ah, oh, I knew you were going to ask me that, Greg. <laughs> so but you kind of set me up, Christy. You did I ask did, the question did, before was... and then didn't give me room to flip the mirror. So I waited sorry, patiently. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so... I, when I was 37, I decided to go back to take Jan Henderson's course in clowning. And oh my goodness, it was revelation. Like that was like a whole new world for me. Darcy said, Christy, you were never the same after taking Jan's summer. Um, and it was beautiful. So for me, I, I, and then, you know, as I used to work as an artist in residence teaching in schools, um, mostly physical theater, drama, and 
clown, right? Mm -hmm. To actually go back and play while this movement was beginning and forming was huge. And I think that what, I think that formed, well, it transformed me Mm. and it, and I needed it, Greg. I needed to find a way to find um, that freshness and that understanding of how do, how, who, my creative spirit, my, my creative way of, of working and moving and, Mm. and trusting it and trusting that leadership and trusting that gut um, that, I knew was there, but just knowing that I needed to trust it um, and and uh, acting upon it. So the creative piece for me is always going back to Jan when we were doing mask. And honestly, it stuck with me as we had this pile of clay and we would just sit in neutral at the table blindfolded. And then she would say whatever impetus word it was, and you'd begin forming and the rhythm of creating and making and falling in love with that Mm. creation. And then the disturbing piece of of removing when she was ready and we were able to like do that whole process and then her remove, have removed our, um, our blindfolds and fall in love with this little creation. And then her to say, fold it in, put your blindfolds on and let's start again was amazing and doing that three times that's what I do in the festivals that's what I get to do every day in community Hmm. is being able to explore try fail create smooth design and then say let's fold that one in and start again yeah a lovely tribute to to what Jen was able to reconnect you to, which, which again, you know, we go through, perhaps we go through these cycles, but, but when we get round the circle, you know, I'm, I'm hearing you go back to your childhood playground and then back to your high school playground and then back to knowing that the, that, that the time is right. I need more. I need to go come back to that. I'm, I am some of who I was and I am more because of the circle. And I think, I think I heard you use a number that alluded to the age at which you took that course. And I hear you honoring the number of ways in which it still infuses. But I also know that that's not the number you are right now. And I'm curious to know if when you brought up the question, how do we still keep playing while administering an institution in the neighborhood? So today, tomorrow, next week, how are you reconnecting to the play? I definitely, it's about carving space for me to be able to do that. Because as we all are so busy and trying to make everything happen all of the time. So making making space to play is a challenge. What I love to do is to grab my sketchbook and no one knows this really. I just love drawing, sketching. My grandfather was a cartographer. And so I will grab my sketchbook and just let my hand do what it needs to, to be able to express and change. And and I also love to be musical. And so I will sit at my piano and just let myself do what it needs to do. And those moments are to me very sacred and very important in who I am and what I do, how I do it. I travel to Elk Island Park, which is our national park outside of Edmonton, our city limits, and just go and look and explore and be curious and sit and listen. Those are things that feed me. And I yeah, my husband is extremely creative. Like Darcy, it's so funny. He's an uh He's a inspector engineer type and his desire to play is probably as strong as mine or more. And so it's so great having a partner husband who loves to do that together. So travel um, and, you know, we go to the places that like when we go to Italy, we go to the small little towns and we get to be in the like just to go and see what the artists are doing and go talk to the artists and go and be 
with them. And I think that feeds me in such a, such a wonderful way too, is just being with others um, that are like-minded and share that passion. So yeah, I don't probably do it as much as I should, Greg, honestly, but I, those are things that I take away and make mine. Mm -hmm. And you do it as much as you're able right now. That's it. That's it. Mm -hmm. When we, when we work on our festivals, I was just chatting this morning with one of my colleagues and I said, you know, the interplay between someone was saying, oh, aren't, are they all the same? No, there's so much that goes into it. Everything is, everything is curated. Everything, the spontaneity is birthed in discipline. Everything we do that looks like it is like just happenstance, it's all planned. It's all curated. It's all discussed. And it's beautiful, like being able to feel like we are in an elevated neighborhood that is um, transcending the bounds of 118 is magical. And uh, that's, I love to get in that mess. I love to get in the play of programming and creation and making a mess and then mm -hmm. going, okay, <laughs> what do we do, team, with this now? And then everyone going, oh, and it's placemaking. So it's like, okay, we've got this other thing now that we have to deal with. Oh, someone's building a building where we normally have our festival. Well, what can we do with that building? What can we do with that construction? What, with that gate? Let's go look at that gate and that fencing and what can be made from that fencing. And so you begin that creative process and that, pre, that creative discussion. And, and all of a sudden, it's like people think we plan to have this ugly gate that now is turned into an institution of adding messages and hearts and beauty um, in the middle of an ugly space. That's so, the most wonderful accidents and and not accidents that that are of the oops variety you know it's the it, I'm hearing you say, oh, uh, these are the variables this moment. Not yes. last month, but in this <laughs> exactly. moment, these are the new variables. And we could all collapse in a in a pity party, or we could see the variables actually as a gift to becoming something. And I just I, I need to I need to st stop and just hold that for a minute because it makes me think about how many times we are in conflict with what we have defined to be the obstacles. And I'm not suggesting for a no. moment that your organization has not had barriers and obstacles along the way. But I, I but I'm celebrating what I'm hearing, which is uh, we can we could choose to see these as problems and get get let that add energy down, or we could as quickly as possible pivot to a place of okay, now what if we respond? And you know, I, I think back to, I think back to a specific um, experience that I that I recall of programming, again, season programming within a yeah. within a, a a year, in which so much um, was templated according to the expectation that this venue would be available at this time of year in the calendar year, and 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 one one of those calendar years that was not going to be the case, and it immediately invited the creative rush of okay, so if we don't have the bricks and mortar building, what now has just become available? What if we are land in a completely non traditional space? And it sounds like. That happens again and again and again that's, in your world. It is, it is. And that's, I think if, so I'm not going to uh, knock on wood because I do not want this to happen to me. But if, um, if we were to say we are no longer going to, we don't have this space to play. It almost is like energizing, right? It's like the team is like, wow, okay, that's, that's, that's not good. But now what do we do next? What do we do next? And how do we create an and the the draw, the drawing piece is the community deserves this more than anyone else. And so how do we then play knowing that we're yielding to what we are and then being able to offer in a different way. And so that is, it's yes. And all the time, like my team knows when I, when we're doing something it's yes, let's and, and yes. And, and we, those are back to my high school drama um, of, of play and continuation and offering and yielding and knowing 
that it's okay, knowing that it will be good, trusting that it will land and be what it needs to be. Um, and that's difficult. I mean, a lot of people that come in um, to our environment are not used to that thinking and that that breaking of institution mm -hmm. and that changing of the tradition the tradition of the arts, right? I mean, we're sort of like the odd ones of like, oh, we are going to actually do a visual gallery with semi-professional, professional and some emerging artists. And we are going to hang them all in trees down a street. And now that has become this accessible, beautiful, and the artists are like, I've never seen my work hung mm. in a tree. <laughs> so it's amazing for them to see contextually how that interacts with that tree and what that does to audience walking down. And then the question is, is it going to get destroyed, Christy? Like, is someone going to go take it and like smash it to the ground? And not really. Like I would say our, our knock on wood, our uh, success, if you want to call it of art, staying in community for community building uh, and it like 92% probably something like that of stuff staying and people respecting, yeah. loving, interacting, mm -hmm. right. That never got to go, never have gone to a gallery or like our outdoor festivals, indoor, outdoor festivals. I mean, having Edmonton ballet doing an amazing piece on our big stage and then seeing this newcomer family, you know, watching and then seeing this indigenous little boy and his uncle, and then seeing two seniors all sitting on the same row mm. watching mm. and experiencing and laughing and like in awe. Mm. And I'm like, oh my, like there's just something like so magical about seeing that just that's one row, right? That's just one row of many coming to see and become part of community and the arts. Hmm. And I, I'm, I'm always careful to say community arts, because as soon as you say community arts, it's like womp womp, you know, like what's community arts is like, well, oh, yeah, okay, you know, it's the granny squares come out or whatever. But this is community and the arts in my yeah. mind. It's that play. Yeah. Oh, there's so many directions I want to go. So, so I, I am curious, and I, I know to a certain extent that in the conversation so far, the answer has arrived but I, I but i'm going to put this back to you why the arts you know the 118th avenue corridor as i remember it starts with a giant statue of a baseball bat and ends at the home of the edmonton oilers right and aptly on gretzky drive so i'm not as curious as to why not sports right but why the arts what is it Right. And I wonder that too sometimes. I can't believe the power of the arts. Like when we began as artists, we did not know how much power and life and soul the arts brings to a derelict community. I mean, our community was down on their knees, like, like to find soul, to find ways, to find life and joy and contentment in and rebuilding. I had no idea the arts could do it. All I knew, and Darcy and my friend Don King, who was an amazing artist and now passed, both said, it's the arts, Christy. You need to do this. It's the arts. And I was like, put on my glasses, put on my new set of glasses, and let's see this neighborhood for what it is and how beautiful it is and what it can become together. Like, I can't believe the beauty that is here and I can't believe how much love and soul and the arts brings to community it brings people together it breaks down barriers it allows people to see each other it allows us to understand humanness it makes us more human and humanitarian in our journey of life and it lets us ask the questions that maybe we were afraid to ask if it wasn't through the arts. It allows us to uh, flip things on, on their, uh, to see things differently and see perspective and do it together without being fearful of asking those questions and letting those questions sit without answers 
Uh, that's what jazzes me, man. If I was just doing a festival, I'd have been done 10 years ago. But it's the power of the regeneration, the generative, the life that the arts brings that keeps me going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I see that. I feel that. And, and, and the, the word experience only gets at the surface of it, but it's certainly a better word than an event or a, a festival, a singular you know, moment of, of 10 days in time. And it strikes me, the other word that comes through as I think about the work that I sense you doing is hosting, um, you know, and 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 it, feel, it feels uh, as I was going through and, and preparing for, for the conversation, and you provided me with the CV that takes us all the way back to what must have been one of your first career moves, and that was working, working in customer relations with the Canadian Airlines. So, so, I mean, you've you've been involved in this hosting and and customer experience, and I, I customer mm. minimizes it. So forgive me there, mm. but the relationship piece. How does that role sit with you? That role of host. I love it. Um, hospitality is what I talk to my team about all the time, and the pineapple being a symbol of hospitality. Um, we talk about that often. At our large gatherings of 400 volunteers at our at our festival volunteer recruitment dinners, about how we are hosting and we are opening our doors and our porch doors to these guests, and that we're welcoming them to just come and feel where we live, how we live, um, experience the 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 beauty and the culture and the diversity and the, um, of what we have. That is, yeah, so it's, yeah, it's the hospitality. And I, you know, truly for me, it goes way back to my, to my folks. I mean, there wasn't a time that I remember that my mom and dad didn't have people come over for, for supper and come and hang out at our place, or if they needed a place to stay, mom and dad recreated the basement for a fellow who was needing a space uh, to do work in the community. And we called him Uncle Lou. And, uh, you know, he lived in our basement for a month or a month and a half because he needed place um, to stay. And so hosting and loving and always knowing that the coffee's on, I think is why that coffee house means so much to me. Mm -hmm. is when people come in, come and grab a coffee and come and tell us what's happening and hearing the stories of senior artists, like I think of Robert Clinton, who, you know, amazing guy living in our neighborhood, who comes in every day for his muffins and, and, and cookies and gets to give a hug and tell me how he's doing. And those relationships are so much more important than putting on a show. To, to that point, and I will say right here, right now, the next time you see Robert, give him a hug back from me. He was an incredibly powerful collaborator as a playwright early in my professional career. But here's why I'm leaning in in this moment to share this. I have dear, fond memories. I, I, loved, I love the man and will always for those memories and what we experienced. But they were event-specific. And and we didn't live in the same community or circle, and that's that's that. That's how life goes. But what I love is that you do, you have that opportunity. You are creating something beautiful with the people in the neighborhood. Yes. <laughs> these are the people. <laughs> it's this, this, these are the people in the neighborhood. Yes. You and mentioned, what? sorry, you mentioned porch doors, <clears throat> and it took me back to something you had said even earlier than that, which is when we're not bound by one venue or a structure that we have to keep recreating year in, year out, event after event, there is already an environment of, of, of fluidity, of flexibility, of what's possible. So I got really excited in following along online, what became possible uh, when other uh, organizations, arts organizations uh, that were venue bound, were not able to do during the months of March 2020 on through till, well, a good 18 months, but certainly a number of festival cycles. What, what, what shifted for you guys? What, what became available? 
Well, the streets became available and the alleys became available. And we love those streets and we love those alleys and they're ours. And so we were very committed to what can we do. And it was crazy. It was crazy as hearing the march. I was actually away on a break, Darcy, and I went to a friend's uh, Airbnb just outside of the city when March lockdown came of 2020. And we had just finished Deep Freeze Byzantine Winter Festival and had sort of like that was our downbeat of our year of let's go out and take a little break in the nature and hang out. And when all of a sudden we started hearing on the news calling my daughter to go buy meat um, and pack up our freezer because we just thought, oh my goodness, something's locking down and and uh, how are we going to manage this? Then I kept thinking, what's happening? What's happening to Arts on the App? What's going to happen? Are we going to fold our doors? And being on Zoom, which became like the great thing to do, um, you know, hearing everybody that's a festival producer say they're closing their doors, they're not able to do it. I just kept thinking, that is not us. Like not putting my mm-hmm. peers down because that was, they, they were bound to a venue. They were bound to their limitations and I totally understood that but knowing that our community was bigger than just our space that we use uh ice cream truck came by and Mm. I looked out the window and I was like that's our answer is an ice cream truck and we can have our stages come through the neighborhood and down these gritty alleys that need the light and the color and the joy and the glitter. And Sophia Lukey, we formed a team and she just kept saying, we need the glitter. And I loved that because it is the wonder and the experience of bringing that to our neighborhood. And so eight minutes, we had flatbed stages that were filled with Disney-like balloons and characters. And we had vans behind with plastics between actors and performers and everybody's sanitizers we bought these sanitizer cool things and oh my goodness this team oh wow it was unreal away we went and we'd land in on a street for eight minutes jump off everyone get onto the stages and perform and people coming out and that is when i realized we are very much community and we are very much humanitarians and that we are a little different in our approach and a little different. A little. In her. <laughs> so, and I loved it, Greg. It was amazing. And one moment that stood still was we we're in this one of the worst alleys and um, Joel Gray, who is a jazz musician, uh, instructor and also a musician here in Edmonton. Um, his band was playing on the stage at nighttime. And we looked up in the four-story apartment buildings that people would probably never ever en- enter. Um, and there was a little boy holding up his guitar and showing it to all of us down beneath because he wasn't allowed to come down. Mm-hmm. And knowing if all we did was touch that little soul it's all worth it. And I am, um, I just, I, I'm, I'm placing my trust in the fact that that little soul will come back into your story. You will hear from that. You will hear the story from the other side somewhere yeah. down the road. Yeah. It's pretty cool. These little people, you know, we have a little guy down the street not little anymore. He's 20. And um, Darcy and I became natural advocates for him. Mm. And honestly, these festivals, even though he's been in and out of the penal system because he has FESD, doesn't understand his consequence of his actions, he comes to every single festival. He is part of the site crew and he works and he feels that love that the arts brings And, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I honestly don't think I would find very easily elsewhere. And um, no, and you're right. Like, it's like, who do you get? Who are the people in your neighborhood? Mm. And how do we interconnect? And how do we play? And how do we um, care? Mm. And how do we love? How do we love? Right. That that word has been in this conversation the whole time and it just first 
found its moment of utterance and no coincidence that it came on a wave of emotion. I want to acknowledge that um, at least once before your name has come into one of these conversations with a previous guest, and it was in the context of something that needed to be done that had <laughs> nothing to do with you, your organization, but it did have to do with the culture of that city. And that individual said, well, I just called, I reached out to Christy and within, you know, hours, uh, I had a response. And, you know, I, I joked with you about, about the fact that it felt like our conversation was naturally going to, to be titled making shit happen. But I, I, I'm, I'm sitting in this and I'm thinking it, it isn't about the making of it happen for me as I'm in conversation you have been hosting the happening and being rooted deeply soulfully in it and uh the other image that i've just i can't get out of my head is when you mentioned that your grandfather was a cartographer and you you referenced it to you know what perhaps there's a there's a, a thread there to to your doodling pen and paper but I'm also curious about cartography because it's mapping. Mm. And I'm I'm fascinated by the mapping of this work, not just around the neighborhoods and the derelict or magical alleyways. But when you think about the work that you and your community have done together, what is that map? And if if you feel like taking it, how might that map? be used to bridge outside of this particular avenue, this particular geographical spot on one urban map? The great question for me when I, yeah, nice, nice with grandpa, you know, um, map making, place making, creating spaces. I think it's all about carving and meaning and community and it and and thing and ritual and ritual like being able to create and and make it ours right and so doing I've had so many people say can you do this in our city and yes but it'll be different it'll be different it'll be it'll be the arts and it'll be community and it'll be yours right it'll be different there'll be a different spirit there'll be a different way a different wonder and I was asked to go to Regina and help work on a on a, a project over there in the winter, and it was it was a whole other life. It was a whole other being. And yes, I think that map is um, absolutely charted and with care and intent. And sometimes there is that fail piece. And I think the ability to acknowledge the tada and fail and allow it to be and move on and 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 not always like and everyone's like what did you learn from that well like sometimes you don't need to learn from that sometimes it's just like okay it's that was like a that's like one of the big holes on the map we'll watch moving that on <laughs> move on carry on you know let's not dwell on this forever um and yeah so definitely and definitely it can be moved and and it won't be the same, but it'll be different and it'll be a life and it is life and joy. And, and it's done with absolute care and a steady hand guiding together, making it happen. And that map will change. And I think mm. that's the other thing It's it's the sacredness of the time for when it is, and then being able to move and change and morph and say, okay, that was that was here for this time, but let's now change and morph into something else because it's necessary and needed. And it's, and it's, there's a hole and we're going to find a different way to map that one through. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think I, that, does that make sense? Greg? It does. It does. And it's a reminder. I mean, my dear friend, Scott, uh, refers to the map or reminds us the map is not the journey. And so I'm hearing yeah. you say, yeah, we, there's a map. Absolutely. That map's transferable. We can print out copies. You can have it. Yes. But you're going to have to interpret it, That's it in your own boots and in the in 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 the alleyways and and storefronts and coffee shops of your yes. community, yes. metaphorically and uh, literally. So the tough question, though, for you, <laughs> lives in 
while I'm hearing you use that beautiful inclusive language like we can and let's and off we go and what will we do, what do you anticipate happens when Christy is no longer the one who can or wishes to or chooses to be the engine? Because let's be honest, I mean, that's like another piece. The map is transferable, but you've yeah. got to find the heart to the, to, to, and, 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 and I believe that there'd be few that would argue that you are currently still the heart of Arts in the Ave. It's a big one. And I think about it all the time, honestly. Mm. That is something that does ferment me somewhat at times. Um, and then also is exciting. And other times it depends on the mood and <laughs> how, mm. I'm, how I'm doing that day. I know that Arts in the Ave is doing work that is trans transformative and has created a legacy and is not about an organization. It's about who and who is there and who is who it's touching and how and why. And, and say I decide to leave tomorrow, the people that are on the team, they may take it all and change it and make it different or say, we can't do it this way because it's too much. And that's okay. Mm. It's okay. It's okay to have it change and morph and change, or maybe it just disappears. And it becomes just a piece of our time together. And that's okay. And I have, I am really like, honestly, I'm being pretty vulnerable. I, I struggle, Greg, I struggle with, am I really, am I really okay with it? Am I really okay with it dissolving? And I'm getting there. Like I'm getting there that if it didn't continue, would it, kill the community no because the mm. community is so much stronger and the community would do something i mean there's no way that all these seeds and all these sprouts and all these trees that are growing with all the work that arts on the ave team has done and community has done that if christy leaves that it's just going to fold like it will be and breathe differently it will seed differently it will feel like it needs to with the people that are there at the time and the creatives are here and the creatives and the people that have been drawn into this movement are not going to just walk away and fold up their tents and say the tent is now done. Um, and yeah, so for me, it's like, I need to trust that it'll continue somehow and that it'll morph into what it needs to be if I'm, when I'm not there. Mm -hmm. And um and that's okay. I mean, the the team, the Marianne's, the Edwin's, the Sobeys, the all that love this community with all their hearts, all their hearts. We'll see, right? Mm. Um, and I guess those rituals, right, and traditions, we'll see what sticks and what and and how they change, mm -hmm. because they will. Mm. And and thank you for that vulnerability. I I wasn't setting you up, and I just want to state very clearly that I that that I have no awareness or knowledge that I'm asking this question because it's in imminent. Yes, that's right. It's it just is. it's 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 this exploration, I think, of of the value that you have brought to the community and the legacy. And it may be that as as you, as we've already discussed, that the part of the legacy is the letting go. And I don't mean letting go as in walking no. away from something, yeah. but it's letting go of holding so gripping so tightly to, but it's supposed to be that weekend and it's supposed to be on yes. that street or in that building. And 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 maybe that is a deeply embedded reminder to, yeah. to the whole community that we got this. Yeah. And I truly believe that it, that we are here as just the carriers of that, right? I am just the person that, was given this incredible honor to lead this movement. I never would have thought it when I was a kid at Vic. I would never have thought that I would ever be a community activist, an arts activist, a community builder, designer, never in a million years. And I love it. And I think what it's given me and my family far outweighs probably what I would ever have, a, whatever I like, yeah, honestly, what my kids have received through this will be passed on to their kids. And I honor the fact that your professional pathway has been and continues to be a, a beautiful blend of community development, arts, engagement, and advocacy. 
And that, that small pocket of a larger urban tapestry is rich because of the fact that you were present to whatever called you to it. It's a wonderful joy to be able to celebrate that. And, uh, and I mean it most sincerely. Thanks, Greg. It's a, it is a joy. It's a joy. The Ellipses Thinking Podcast is a proud member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network and is produced by Greg and Jordan Dowler-Coltman. The show's theme music has been generously provided by Jordan Hart. And if you're interested in learning more about the ideas behind Ellipses Thinking, please visit dowlercoltman.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you for listening. As a resident of Vancouver Island, I wish to acknowledge that I am a visitor on the traditional lands of the Coast Salish people, including the territories of the Snonoas and Qualicum people. The first peoples have been here for over 10,000 years, their ancestors still here with us in the sky, the land, the ocean, and all of the beings that share this sacred place. As a settler, I gratefully embrace the opportunities for growth as integral to my personal journey of collaboration and reconciliation as I learn and further support the possibilities that lay ahead. I remain committed to practicing my craft in a decolonized space.